It's dark. Oh, there it is. Uh, for, the, for those of you whom I have not met, uh, I'm David Beecham. I am a pastoral elder here. That's just one of my titles and names that I go by. Um, so obviously David is one name. Some people still call me Dave. Um, other names, my mom calls me son. Um, I have children who call me dad or father. Um, I am a brother. I have a twin sister, so she calls me brother. And and then last service, I had some cousins here. They call me cousin. Um, I'm also an uncle. I'm old, so that makes me a great uncle. Um, I already said that I'm a pastor. I'm a retired Army chaplain. People still call me chaplain. Some of the people that that were in the military with me from a different faith background, faith background would call me father. Um, that's okay too. I'm a director. Uh, I'm sweetheart. <laughs> Sometimes I'm called honey. <laughs> Sometimes Debbie even calls me love. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes I'm called hey you. And um, I'm even called big guy. <laughs> Perhaps my favorite one is called. They, they call me Pawpaw. <laughs> and that, I really like that one. Uh, I hope that you will call me friend as well. Um, the passage that we're starting out from is Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, I'll read this whole passage, uh, but then I'll come back to uh, uh, the second half of verse 6. This is from Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for, for to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is a prophecy made by Isaiah about Jesus. There's no doubt about it. And then let's just look at that again. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. We talked about that last week. Mighty God. I get to talk about that this week. And then the next two weeks we'll be talking about Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. This really does lend ourselves to the series big idea. Jesus came so all people can call upon God and trust in Him. You may notice in your notes that they're a little different this week. There's no fill in the blank. I know that disturbs some of you. (laughs) But there's a whole right side where you can, in a sense, make up your own fill in the blanks. And I've got some questions up at the top of that section. And the questions are this. Command? Is there a command in Scripture that you are reading that you should follow? If you identify a command, I bet you it's important for you to do it. Second thing, example. I'm reading through the Bible, and I'm reading through Daniel right now. Daniel is a cool guy. He is a really awesome example to follow. That's an example. The the next word is promise. Is there a promise in this particular passage of Scripture that we can say, hey, this is for me. I really like a promise. And so the last one is, well, not the last one, second last one, sin to avoid. 
Yeah. Scripture deals with that for sure. And then the last one that I have down there is principle. Is there a truth that we can embrace and incorporate into the way we think about the world and life? So those are the five questions. There are other types of questions you could ask as you read. These are just five that I'll say, hey, could be good. I hope that you will identify with me in this passage. I come up with being able to come up with four of these five just from this psalm that we're about to take a look at. Oh, yeah, I've got to look. That's the other thing I've got to look at. I've got to look at the time. There's a countdown timer. What does it mean? Well, I'm a preacher. It doesn't mean much. <laughs> but uh, but I'll, I'll try to pay attention to that. And... Um, So let's take a look at Psalm 95. You fill in your own truths from this psalm. First of all, let's let's take a look at the first couple of verses. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. Man, these first two verses are just dealing with a command. This is something we all should be doing. There's no doubt about it. We are commanded to come together and sing for joy. In fact, the words there, it says where it says, in some translations it says, let us shout aloud and make, and just make a noise. How many of you are good at making noises? To the rock of our salvation. That's an allusion to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Our rock. A couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, actually, was my birthday. I, no, I'm not moving in. But I did bring... I am so excited that Debbie got this for me for my birthday. Some of you, when you see it, will think it's something other than what it is. So I will hold it up and you tell me what it is. What is this? It's not a trumpet. It's a cornet. There is a difference. Yes, there is. I want to share with you that I can make noise with this. I am so thrilled. In fact, (laughs) noise. I'm going to be playing... And you're welcome to come to Oak Park High School on Friday at 7.30 p.m. Uh, yes, that was a plug for North Star Community Band that I'm a part of. And on one of the Christmas songs that we'll be doing, we as band members shout, Hoy! Don't ask me what that means. But I, I, I would like for us to, to shout, Hoy! together on the count of three. We'll do one, two, three, Hoy! Okay. Now, I have a feeling that we can be pretty loud. Let's try it. One, two, three. Hoy! Oh, we can be louder. We're, we're almost full. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. Hoy! Oh, yeah. I dare say, hopefully, for some of us, it was joyful noise. <laughs> and, and that's what this part, this part of the psalm is talking about, saying how, what we should be doing. We should be making a joyful noise. But it also says to make music. Guess what? I can make music with this also. I want you to listen to just the first few notes of something and you come up with the next word. You ready? 
Yes! I'm so proud of you! I will not be playing anymore. <laughs> uh, but let's, uh, you know, the last chorus of that, the last uh, phrase of that uh, carol is, Oh, come, let us adore him. We'll be singing it more later. It says, Oh, come, let's do it together. Oh, come, let us adore. We got to make music. Let's start over. I'm not hearing you. I will remind you what the words are. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. You get that down? And then the last phrase is Christ the Lord. So let's sing the last part of this. And when we come to the end of the service, we're going to be doing this again. We need to sing it nice and loud and make music. So ready? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Hey, we have fulfilled a command this morning together. We made noise (laughs) and we made music. And we're supposed to be doing that. That's one of the reasons why we get together. That's the how. But we probably need to understand the why as well. And the why is addressed in the next verses. It says, in verse, starting in verse 3, 4, and 5, it says, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods, great and mighty, or so close in meaning. And we're served that Jesus is our mighty God. He is our great God. And then it says, In His hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. I, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I'm going to share the year of my birth. That way you can figure out my age. I was born in 1957. In 1859, Charles Darwin published a particular book that promoted evolution on the origin of the species, really proliferated. The the theory of evolution has proliferated, and it's in every institution that we're around. Less than 10 years after I was born, in 1966, on the cover of Time magazine, Time magazine had, Is God Dead? Wow. Pretty interesting stuff. I grew up in an age where evolution was taught as fact there was it was scientific and in on my own faith journey back then I said man I've got to somehow embrace being scientific and accepted and somehow think that God created it all and so there was this weird convolution of stuff melding together some things have happened in the last 50 years the discovery and the complexity of DNA has happened. I, I encourage you to look up on YouTube. <laughs> I know that you, you're out there, you YouTube enthusiasts. You could take in your notes. Look up YouTube. Hoover Institute Darwin debunked. Okay? It's an interesting thing. I've got a math degree. I don't tell a lot of people that with a theology background that I have. But I, I have a math degree as well. And... Guess what? 
the theory of evolution is no longer improbable based upon the complexity of DNA. Darwin's theory, and Darwin, he didn't have all the information when he wrote his book. We've got so much more information now. So inquisitive minds seek the truth, and the truth is is that evolution is no longer even improbable. It is impossible. And you can quote me on it. If you want to go to YouTube, it'll reinforce in an hour-long video for, for your listening and watching pleasure. But as we think about the creation and the proliferation of uh, the theory of evolution, atheism has increased. There's no doubt about it. Church attendance has gone down. You and me, we're more and more in a minority. Wow. That can be concerning. But the, the passage here of those five, five questions, this is a principle this is issue. This is why we worship. Why do we worship? Because our God is a mighty God. And that's why we worship. And He is the Creator. There's no doubt about it that the Bible claims that God created it all. We look back at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pretty bold claim. Do be an inquisitive mind. Seek the truth. Embrace this principle. What's the result of uh, being able to Understand that our mighty God created it all. That Jesus Christ as our mighty God is our creator as well. Well, well, let's look at verse 6 and verse 7. It says, come. Result, come. We return to verse 1. Same word, come. Let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel. So we're getting back to the how. Why do we worship? Because God is mighty. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. That word maker in the Hebrew, it's the same exact word for him making the creation, making the earth, the depths of the earth, the sea and the mountain peaks, everything he made. And then verse 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. There we go to a shepherd. Uh, metaphor again. I love that metaphor. When I think about being at peace, being under his care, part of me just thinks about being on a really big air mattress on water. Maybe some waves are going on around me, but I'm just laying there peaceful as can be, I can feel the waves going up and down, but I am at peace. I am resting on that air mattress in spite of the world, the water going up and down. I think that's a good picture of what God desires for you and me. Yeah, circumstances of life can stink, but... If we understand that God loves us, that He's on the throne, that He is our mighty God, 
that we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. This is a promise. So already we've, we've addressed a command, a principle, and now a promise. Well, it would be so cool if uh, David, who is the writer of this psalm, we learned that from Hebrews, believe it or not, but it would be so cool if David just stopped here. But he doesn't stop here. He has the last four verses. And if I were to encourage you to underline any of the words on this passage, it would be in the next two lines. It says here, today, today. Granted, David wrote it 3,000 years ago. We're going to find out in the book of Hebrews that the writer of Hebrews uses that today five times in just a short, short, short space. Today, if you hear his voice, do you hear his voice? Do not harden your hearts. I'll say it again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert. Well, he's using some words that I don't completely understand. But we can look them up. <laughs> we can find out what they mean and who, who David is referring to. And he's referring all the way back to Exodus chapter 17. Oh, my goodness gracious. At Exodus 17, the words there are that the, the nation of Israel was wa- starting to wander around in the, de- in the wilderness. Okay? And that, guess what they did? They complained. They, they tested God. And they said, hey, and Moses replied to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord, Yahweh, to the test? And then Moses followed God. He, he did what he was supposed to do. He struck a rock with his staff and water came out and they got water because they were complaining that they were thirsty. This is the same people who had already experienced manna and quail. They had gone through the Red Sea on dry land. They had seen the miracles of God and they were quarreling. Massa means testing. Meribah means quarreling. And yet, I dare say, let's just read the last few verses here. As you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, we, we just talked about, though they had seen what I did. And for 40 years I was angry with that generation. This is God talking. He was angry with that generation. And I said, they are people whose hearts go astray. And that, you could underline this, and they have not known my ways. Wow, that's really hard because they'd seen his ways. But they didn't know his ways. And so God declared, so I declared on, on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. You know, God's rest, you know, it's, God rested on the Sabbath after he created. God wants you and I to be in a continual state of peace and rest. Referring back to verse 7, it says, you know, we're the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. If we get it, if we understand the principle that God is our mighty God, that Jesus created it all, we should have peace and rest in our lives. We should 
And yet, I look around at those who say that they follow Jesus, and there's just a lot of unrest. I dare say that there are people here this morning that are just struggling. It may just be that you need to embrace the principle, the belief that we just talked about, to believe that God is God, that believe that God is our mighty God, that Jesus is the rock of our salvation. I invite you to not join me. Get your own mattress. (laughs) But get your mattress. Be at peace. Be at rest. That's what God wants for you. It's interesting that, you know, we could, David could have, King David, the writer of this psalm, could have stopped right here. Well, he did stop right here. (laughs) But this is an interesting psalm in that we have commentary, comments from a New Testament writer. If you have your Bibles, I I encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And I'm going to just talk about it, but I'm going to read a few verses too. Two different uh, verses from this uh, passage in Hebrews. It's really cool to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. I'm going to use a big seminary word. That's hermeneutically sound. Ooh. (laughs) But it is. It's a good principle to understand God's Word is to read it all. And so we get to Hebrews chapter 3. In fact, it starts... You know, the verse 7 in Hebrews chapter 3 is just another copy of Psalm 92, the last four verses. You can see it. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, sounds familiar. It's the same words from Psalm 95. But I want to skip to verse 12, where there is a huge encouragement from the writer of Hebrews for you and me. It says, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Ooh. Yeah, he identified sin and unbelief in the same sentence. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't believe that our God is a mighty God, it is sinful. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? If you look in the mirror and you say, or look at your life and say, man, I just don't have peace, I encourage you to really reevaluate things. You may need to come to Jesus and start trusting in our mighty God. That's the truth of God's Word. He wants you to have peace, He wants you to be in His rest. But in order to do that, we've got to believe that He is our mighty God. And so continuing on, he uses that word again, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So should today apply to us today? Of course it should. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. So there's a... a, the writer of Hebrews saying, hey, you and I, hey, we started good. 
We need to re-embrace and reaffirm what we believe, that God is our mighty God. By doing that, we can enter into his rest. I want to share one more more verse toward the end of chapter 4. Again, you know, just truly, it's amazing. This particular psalm is quoted multiple times in these two, two chapters. But in chapter 4, verse, verse 9, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rests, rest also rests from his own work. Sometimes we are just so performance-oriented as Americans that we think we have to earn it. We may get saved by grace, but we say, well, we've got to be saved. We've got to stay saved by works. No. We stay saved by grace. We rest in what God has done for us, just as God did from his own work. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. I want to return to one verse from the psalm. It says, and I, I, I kind of almost alluded to saying, underline this one also. They have not known my ways. The people of Israel, did they know his ways? They didn't. It says so right there. They saw his ways, but they didn't know his ways. Got a question for you. How do you and I know God's ways? I don't know of any other way other than God's Word. Over 30 years ago, I started reading the Bible cover to cover. I'm starting to know His ways. I've been through the Bible 30 times. It's never, ever too late to start. Know His ways. Know His ways. By doing that, we get to the teaching big idea calling on Jesus, calling on Jesus as our mighty God reinforces our belief, reinforces our belief and gives us rest. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants rest for you and me. He wants you to be on that mattress so that the waves come and go and all you feel is rest and peace. I invite you to trust in Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and just thank you for your word first and foremost. May you be glorified in all that we say and do. Lord, may we we believe you. May we trust the fact that you are our mighty God. May we trust the fact that you created us. And when we look in the mirror, we can embrace how you created us because you are our maker. Lord, I pray that every single last person here will not leave here without knowing that they know that they know that they know that you are our mighty God. And Lord, I pray that they will receive rest and peace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Can you thank Pastor David with me?
I want to tell you the reason we've been doing this series. Ultimately, we want you to have the confidence to pray with anyone in any situation. There are people that you interact with every day. They're in your homes, they're in your workplace, they're at your school, they're where you play. And they need to know there is a mighty God. Church, this is why we're here. And when we call on our mighty God, it reinforces the truth of what we believe. He is a mighty God. And when you are with someone and you share with them and they, hear, they share their story with you, and you know the only solution to their problem, the only way that they're going to find rest in that situation, the only way that they're going to have the confidence to endure that is when the strength of the rock of their salvation is who they're relying on. When the Lord Almighty is their strength. Church, this is who we believe in. And you have the opportunity to share that with someone every time you pray with them. So today, as you reflect on this teaching, today, as you take the words that you've written down from what Pastor David said, I encourage you, say, God, don't let this just be something I know in my head. May this be something I truly believe in my heart, that you are the mighty God. And may I share this. And the way we share Jesus, we talk about this as a church family, we share the power of Jesus when we pray with one another. We share what we believe and that he is a mighty God. And you can call on his strength for someone in their situation. So I challenge you to do that. With what you heard today, I challenge you to pray with others, to pray with those around you, 